Welcome to the return of the Benzo Boys. The Benzo Boys are back in town. This is the Benzo Rehab Dungeon, episode 49. It is the 9th of July. I am joined. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I am the host, Michael Debs. I am joined by co-host, gentleman, scholar, At Dank to lose. Did you forget my name? <laughs> <laughs> Danko Suvin from the Instagram handle at Dank to lose. I did uh, blank on your your name for a moment. Um, and I'm also joined by uh, by uh, John, the producer, uh, who is the Instagram handle at Discopathic. John, have you actually uploaded anything to that Instagram yet? No, I have not. Someone's gonna follow you anyways. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I follow him. I yeah, I do. Posting. I do too. Yeah, I love his his one post. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty good. Cool. So so uh, we've been gone for for two weeks. I'm I'm rusty, obviously. You know. Um, and I'm refreshed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, John, have have you been uh, the last two weeks? Just summarize all the events that happened in your life for the last two weeks for us, real quick. Well, I'm not sure. Because, you know, I've been losing time, I think, over these last two weeks. Okay. You're me now. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing I am sure of is that it has been two weeks. <laughs> can, can you be sure about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't because I just keep, you know, waking up, you know, doing things, shopping, but in somebody else's clothes. Oh, man. That's uh... <laughs> always thinking of this, too. It's just mm -hmm. it's really weird. When, when you said that you were losing all of us. When yeah. you said that you were losing time, I was like, oh, man, is, like, the podcast the only stable thing in John's life? Like, <laughs> is, 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 is the podcast the metronome of John's, like, like, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, musical? Um, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I've gone to work. Well, um, that sounds confusing. I don't think we have time to get into all that's going on with Probably. you. Uh, Danko, how have you been? I'm fine, man. Keep thinking about wolves. Oh, interesting. And just wolves. Just thinking about wolves. Uh, dreaming about wolves. And trees. Dreaming and thinking about wolves. We should get someone to psych um, psychoanalyze you. Yeah. Um, also, so here's a weird one. Um, my stomach keeps disappearing and then reappearing uh, in my body. And my, then my body. <laughs> and, and, and I, keep, I, I have a feeling that it has nothing to do with the fact that my father, when I was a child, used to build like S&M machines to make oh. me more polite. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, probably, I know it yeah. has nothing to do with that. Yeah. I, um, I would guarantee it. It has very yeah. little to do with what, what seems like traumatic's not the word I'm looking for. Normal. Hmm. No. Seems yeah, normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and we will get deeper into that. Right? Is that yeah, plan? I, I think so. I think we're going to get pretty deep inside a lot of things here. Um, really work our way into the guts, the machinery of <laughs> of uh, the topic, which uh, which we promised we would uh, return with, which is uh, psychoanalysis. Um, which which I learned uh, recently is not being crazy about anal sex. No, yeah. I mean it could be, it could be. Yeah. Um. If in 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 case anyone missed it, and obviously no one missed the reference. <laughs> uh, but uh, Judge Schraber is who uh, I was talking about when it comes yeah. to the. Uh, the BDSM equipment and the organs disappearing and stuff like that. And he did have an anus obsession. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's just not a requirement, I think, uh, <laughs> is, is what I was getting yeah, at. Right, yeah, right. yeah the, <laughs> the, the, the psychoanal uh, is only a phase, uh, but it's it's not the entirety of psychoanalysis. <laughs> uh, so right before we, uh, we started recording, um, for, for the viewer, uh, this this image that just appeared on your screen is a, uh, a picture of Freud uh, just having a good time with some wolves. Oh yeah, um, one or several. One or several. Oh, those little guys. That's another reference. <clears throat> that is another reference. In case people didn't notice it, that's uh, that's also. Re- I mean, yeah, that one's been memed to death. <laughs> Actually, that's the thing is that I'm <clears throat> at this point in time. I think the people that don't actually know what the reference is are more responsive to that reference than than not. I I would know? I would venture to guess that that's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so you you've laid out a a discussion plan, I guess. Um, uh huh. A little bit. With without further ado, I suppose we just uh, toss you right into it. Right. So the. Kind of what I wanted to talk about um, or ramble about or something is the connection between uh, something like a Marxist critique and psychoanalysis or maybe a Marxist critique of psychoanalysis or something like that. Right. So a little adventure there. Um, The first question I guess we have to cover is what is psychoanalysis, Uh, if not, in fact, an obsession with us? Right. Um, and it's not just an obsession with phalluses either. It's uh, it it is in short, and I think this will require a little bit of explanation for some people anyway. But it is in short a uh, the process of uh, making sense of or controlling the id, or or taking the id and reconciling it with the ego. Sure. What those terms are, it's very easy. There are really three very important terms to, to keep in mind with psychoanalysis, uh, at least in you know this kind of setting. So the id is um, it's all of the parts of your thought that you don't consciously think, right? It's this messy goop of impulses and energies and wants and desires, or like pre wants and pre desires uh, that are predicated on earlier experience uh, that inform the ego, and the ego is 
more or less what it sounds like. It's your conscious mind. It's your, your conscious personality. And then you have the super ego, which is kind of more or less your, uh, like the, the angel on your shoulder. That's uh, not the, always moral per se. Kind of the idealized but, self, I guess. Right. Yeah. 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 Depending on who you're reading. Um, I mean, Lacan definitely, he refers to it as like, like the ego ideal, uh, which, or the ideal I, which, uh, obviously is very much kind of what you're saying in line with that. Uh, but the super ego can, uh, it can be a little bit more than just your ideal self. Well, also, may- maybe right? like not, the, the you, imagination really of yourself, right? Yeah. Well, well the, the super ego is also, uh, I mean, it, it all connects to it. Maybe these are kind of purposeless nuances here. Um, but the super ego is something that's very strong and say someone that's like religious, um, or theoretically would be because it's governing, uh, it's a non unconscious governance of the person's actions. Yeah. Um, and of course, a lot of that has to do with you projecting yourself upon it, but some of it is probably independent of those projections. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, so the first real issue that we, we see when it comes to psychoanalysis and this model of the consciousness is as when we, come into kind of a, a Marxist or capitalist sense is the fact that this immediately ends up making, uh, it produces this thought that the unconscious is, is this non-productive thing that can only be uh, kind of believed and managed, right? So the, the unconscious, the id is just this goop that causes uh, problems in your life and, and produces your desires and things like that. And the only things to be done with that are to reconcile it with the ego, to make sense of it so that you can live a healthier, more productive life, right? You can fit in, uh, right. you can uh, deal with your issues uh, by controlling them. Uh, and uh, at, at bottom, that's the purpose of uh, the psychoanalyst uh, analyst uh, kind relationship is the psychoanalyst. Uh, he comes in um, like a like a cut, right? The the psychoanalyst injects himself into the kind of conscious framework of the analyzand uh, and exists as this empty space between the ego and the id. Uh, or between the super ego and the ego or anywhere in this so that they can help mediate and make sense and organize things so that the ego can have control over this. Um, but the real, the, the issue with this, it goes back to what I just said, which is that belief in management thing, right? Mm-hmm. The management thing I think is really clear, right? Which is that if all your intentions with a psychoanalytic treatment are to control things, that's going to fit very neatly into systems of control, like the workplace or uh, like, uh, you know, the uh, penal systems or anything like that. Right. Um, but the belief is also a really big part of it because, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of get into this with uh, uh, further discussion when we, when I uh, get into kind of Marxism a little bit more, but when you are dealing with a system of representation where uh, someone is telling you, well, I have dreams about wolves, right? Um, the psychoanalyst is going to already project their belief and their understanding of the world, which is predicated on not just their ids, like the psychoanalyst would believe, 
uh, or their super egos, but more complex machineries of the social environment, right? Yeah. And so all that happens is that through psychoanalysis, someone comes up to you and says, my God, I'm really suffering. These wolf dreams drive me crazy. I want to kill my dad and sleep with my mom. What can you do for me? And then the psychoanalyst (laughs) and the psychoanalyst just ends up saying, well, here is how we can align you better with the larger social fabric, independent of the fact that it is by nature the social fabric that has something to do with those problems arising in the first place. Of course. And so this is all a circuitous uh, uh, route of belief, compounding belief, uh, and really mostly making uh, things worse a lot of the time. Uh, and when it doesn't make things worse, it just to, it just uh, uh, projects this kind of totalitarianism upon it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is an, an innately totalitarian view of the individual is that they must be controlled, uh, they must control themselves, the self is controlled through uh, 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 being integrated with an authority figure, the authority figure is also dependent upon their own authorities, and it's just this line that goes all the way to God, right? The same great chain of being. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up, so. (laughs) Right. Um, um, so on the, on the subject yeah, of wolves please. real quick, uh, we brought it up a couple of times with like out really getting into it. And I, I think we probably have some, some listeners and viewers that maybe don't get the reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. if, if we could go into that briefly, um, <clears throat> basically Freud has this patient who, uh, has the wolf man. Yeah. The wolf man. And he, uh, he has visions and nightmares of, of wolves all the time. And, and uh, you know he looks out the window at night and sees sees wolves in the trees and et cetera et cetera, um, and um, Freud basically goes down this line of reasoning that's like, you know, at one point as a young man, he's this this patient stumbled in on his parents having sex like uh, doggy style, and so you know, Otergo. yeah, Otergo. <laughs> <laughs> in the style of the dog, if you will. Um, and uh what he he had a a, a very strict teacher that was uh his last name was wolf and and what was there was a third one wasn't there it's just further projection projection onto the father it's all yeah yeah Yeah. and so and so you know freud goes into this saying well you you don't like wolves or or you're terrified of wolves and they're they're appearing to you in this way because uh You've you've had bad experiences with vaguely dog-like things, <laughs> which is obviously right. like kind of just bullshit. <laughs> of course, of course, and and that's you know there's there's a famous uh, essay in yes. uh, in in the uh, works of uh, Deleuze and Guattari, which is uh, one or several wolves, and that's uh, in and A Thousand Plateaus, correct? It is, yes. Yeah. Um, and it uh, it essentially is just saying. Hey, the problem here is that this is too uh, unific- unificatory, right? Right. Which is it's it's too dependent upon saying that all of these wolf things are are dependent on one another and informing one another. There is this popular conception in psycho uh, psychoanalysis, largely inside of like Lacanian psychoanalysis, which is that things are are part of the signifying chain. Right. Uh Which is that every experience that you have is predicated upon previous experiences. uh, And that is what will end up informing your belief system. And I think that that is so close to being true. 
But the problem is that it's, of course, linear, right? It is absolutely one directional. And of course, each of your experiences can redefine your past experiences uh, and go into this loop. But on top of that, you also have countless experiences of other people having experiences of other people having experiences that all kind of bleed together into this larger uh, kind of machinery. Uh, I mean, Deleuze and Guattari are, you know, very interested in referring to things as machines. And one of the reasons is actually because of this Judge Schreiber stuff that we'll talk about later. Um, But that everything is uh, reaching from the molar to the molecular. Everything is um, uh, larger machines made up of smaller machines. And the functioning of the larger machines is predicated upon all the functionings of the miniature machines. And that's actually a really great metaphor for taking apart the psychoanalytic model. Because if you look at the ego um, or the psyche uh, as a whole, as a machine, and say that we need to make the id act like the ego, you're saying that something to the tune of, I need my car to act like the carburetor. <laughs> or I need the carburetor to act like the car, rather. Sure, right. right. <clears throat> and it doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's totally nonsense. Um, and so there's no way to unify all the parts of the uh, consciousness into the, the ego in a sensible way. Um, you're, you know, even there's there's that common refrain with with uh, like Deleuzeans, uh, especially ones that, you know, never mind. I was about to start shitting on people, but uh, which is, you know, make yourself a body without organs. And what does that mean? It right. just means to p- turn yourself into something like a pure potential, um, which is, um, you know, obviously it's a lot more complicated than that. But. But when we're talking about organs, we're talking about each of these things that have their own defined roles. Um, but these defined roles are ultimately arbitrary and dependent upon like a larger machinery as well, and as well as a smaller machinery. When you make yourself into a body without organs or body without organization, you're able to escape these kind of predefined uh, notions of what any one machine is supposed to do and how yeah. they're supposed to relate. Um, and so it's really the opposite of this uh, Freudian psychoanalysis kind of sense it's saying we should actually be more like the id in some ways uh where desire becomes productive rather than something that is uh chained up by production Uh, yeah and and you you had mentioned it earlier that psychoanalysis is you know it's it's attempting to rationalize the the mind i guess in such a way that it can produce um and literally that does mean production in a lot of senses because um you know obviously somebody who's in a a psych ward or something like that can't produce for the capital machine right yeah 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 no that's great and i mean there's there's a reason that um i mean obviously on top of the fact that life can be really miserable there's a reason that the most commonly prescribed drugs that we have are for Things like attention deficits yeah, and depression. Adderall, right. Right. Uh, yeah. Because they make you more efficient. They yeah. make you and, uh, and better producing. You know, it's remarkable <laughs> how many people I know who, you know, work in maybe jobs where they have to be like kind of analytical all day or not even uh, necessarily analytical, but, you know, just focused on something. And I I know so many people who, who specifically take Adderall just so that they can function better at their job. I did uh, it in college. Yeah, no, lots of yeah. lots. So many people I mean, do it. They they do it in yeah. college. They do it in work. It's uh, it's it's incredible, and it's like I mean, li- literally dosing your mind to, to go ahead. Sorry, what? 
no, 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 no. Sorry, I, I was just saying. Oh. Think of how many people drink coffee. You know. Yeah, no, no. no. It's I a mean, miniature version of that. Don't right? don't talk to me until I've had my Adderall and coffee. Um. Right, <laughs> right. And it's you know the, the you you always end up saying uh, that the application of that, of course, in like a business or like a like a cubicle environment. Right. Don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're you have to go to work and, and this so- is what you want to do. The argument that yeah. I'm trying to make is my job should let me drink at work because I shouldn't have to dose my mind in order to be more focused and productive at work. I should be able to get a little bit drunk, get a little bit sloppy, and just kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> right. So, so anyways, we can cut the, the podcast off there. We've made our point. <laughs> we made the conclusion about it. I mean, that's that's. That 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 kind of joke there is actually really good, and and because I, I think it clears something up, which is that um, like a lot of I think we're going to spend a good amount of time here, especially later, kind of talking about the problem with a lot of like baby Marxists and like baby uh, uh, anarchists and stuff like that. Sure. Which, which is this uh, what, one of the problems that I notice a lot of the time is uh, this. Either it, it's it's an obsession that reaches in one direction or the other. Either work is innately immoral, which is the dumbest fucking take in the universe. <laughs> um, like yeah. no one should ever have to work, uh, and it's like that. Number one, that doesn't that doesn't work. I'm sorry, we can't have the gay space communism. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Fully uh, automated, yet, maybe. Uh, gay well, right, space that's com- the important yeah. part. Fully automated. Maybe one day. And like, that's kind of the goal of it's it's like eventually automating everything that we can. And then everyone can like sit back and have a drink or whatever. Um, But that's just not, that's just not the reality. Work is important. But then the other end of it uh, with, with a lot of, uh, a lot of folks that I know is that only, only people that are in the most like stereotypically work oriented work uh, are the people with any kind of value. Uh, and that's like obviously not true either. Uh, we can't all be coal miners and construction workers. Granted, these people are extremely important and they should exist, right? Of course. And we rely on them entirely. But I feel like people really kind of once they become a real leftist or consider themselves a real leftist, they pick one or the, one or the other, and it's all fucking nonsense. Yeah, um, and and we should and also, so, you know, point out that. Not everybody can work, and any right. sort of ethical, moral society should include some some amount of excess for people who may not be able to work. Um, and There's, uh, you can't just like it, we, we can't become like Spartan Marxists kicking the deformed right. babies off the cliff <laughs> because we don't we don't think that they're going to be able to produce for the state. <laughs> which is, which mean, there's, is like there's, there's I don't great... think that's better than capitalism in any way whatsoever. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, there there's the, that famous phrase and famous for a reason because it, it works on a foundational level, which is <laughs> from each according to their ability to each according to their need, right? Yeah, and that is how it I, I just work. imagine like Karl like... Marx, and you know, mm-hmm. you've seen the movie Three Hundred. Yeah, and and like Karl Marx and like one of those leather uh, leather um, strap things that they that they wear in Three Hundred with his red cloak, is like yeah. walking up to Effie Alti's the deformed guy, and he's like, <laughs> "Raise your shield." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and yeah, and, and the deformed, uh, you know, leftist can't raise their shields, <laughs> so he won't allow them to fight with them. <laughs> you right. see, the phalanx right. is the most important part of the Marxist structure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, but, go on. Go on. I'm, no, I'm, I mean, this is tangential. Like, <laughs> but, but but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the really important thing is is understanding that labor is extremely important and th- and it's extremely important so that we can do things that aren't labor yeah right? of course so we can continue to survive and continue yeah. to live like fulfilling lives so you need to necessarily have both um sorry guys shit is nuanced you can't like necessarily Ooh. you know grid everything out it sucks um but the the other the other thing i might as well just bring it up now since we're already on this topic but the other issue that anyone who's ever walked into a leftist space, sorry for saying that space no, bodies okay. and spaces, right? <laughs> uh, the, the, the problem that, that anyone has ever, uh, who's ever entered into the, w- w- one of these has noticed is the argument between identity of some sort and uh, like a class reduction. Yeah. Right. I, I've been, um, uh, I have been kicked out of every late left book, uh, that's that's leftists on Facebook uh, space, I think, because, yeah, I mean, we'll probably right. talk about it. Yes, I, identity is important to some degree, but also, you know, class is the, the binding thing uh, for yeah. all of us. And, and yeah, I mean, that's this thing. John, uh, I made a meme about this earlier, um, but <laughs> would you be able to, dear producer friend, uh, look up the PDF of the critique of the Gotha program and not the forward, but read the first sentence of the, like of the work proper, because I feel like that's very, very important for us uh, going forward with this. Sorry. I should have had like this, uh, this loaded. No, up no it's okay. We can, uh, <clears throat> we can just have some dead air in here. Dead air. I love dead air. Man, I'm, I'm over here. I'm over here. See, you got to labor and you got to relax. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, on, on the subject, it's it's like there, there's a little bit of both in, in like labor being important and also like we shouldn't have to work really. And and the balance right. there is that like if we produced to fulfill needs rather than produce to fulfill excess, we could drastically reduce our working hours and you would get yeah. you would get your ability to like most of your time is just fuck off, do whatever I want time. And, you know, then you have like maybe 20 hours or less that you work in a week, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, you know, it's so funny looking at early 20th century, like articles talking about the future of labor uh, and stuff like that, or 19th century even. And, and it's like, oh, man, in uh, the year 1967, we're all going to be working 10 hours a week. We're all going to make $20,000 a year. And it's going to be awesome. And I said, no, <laughs> no, that's not. Um, and yeah, John, when I when I say that, like the yeah, the chapter one, the sentence starts with "labor is." See what I'm talking about? Otherwise, I can just read it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to like order you around. No, it's okay. John's been quiet this whole time, and we have to. Yeah, I just want to give him an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You us. found it. You found it. Cool. There you go. 
Oh, is, oh, is it up on the screen? I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Labor is the source of wealth in all culture. Working for you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even paying attention. Yeah. Okay. Labor. So the... <laughs> Go ahead. Or... Yeah. It starts with labor is not right. Oh, labor is not the source of all wealth. Nature is just as much the source of use values, and it is surely of such that material wealth consists as labor, which itself is only the manifestation of a force of nature, human labor power. Right. So, I mean, it it goes further into this as well. But, I mean, independent of even nature, there's also like the cultural element, right? Labor is not the source of all wealth and it is not the source of all culture. The, the, the quote that he's responding to is from the uh, kind of the, the manifesto of the Goethe program, right? Uh, which said, labor is the source of all wealth and all culture. And then he's mm. like, no, the first line in the, his critique of it is, <laughs> it is not. Um, so we, we can't all be class reductionists. Uh, who say it is only ever labor that matters, but we also necessarily, as people that like believe in the labor theory, say that, well, that is what produces surplus value, right? It's, of course. That's yeah. what produces surplus value. Labor, uh, right. And it's also not the only thing that produces culture, like obviously. Well, I mean, wrong. when you when you think about it, I mean, all, all that labor does is ex- extract the wealth from nature, Right. 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 And and um, yeah, so labor is the only thing that can produce surplus value because it's it's adding on to that and extracting from the baseline of nature. Everything that right. we, we produce through labor has some natural component to it. It it has to be, you know, whether it's a mineral or or you know, lumber or you know fucking sheep. Uh, that you're sheep, sheep is the important one, right? That's the that's the example Marx always uses. Which yeah, is that's like, that's why I brought it up. What is the <laughs> yeah. right, right? Like the what, what's up? Europe, well, in, uh, I mean, Europe uh, has had uh, like animal stock reserves at times, haven't they? Yeah, right, like, right. Uh, like regulated and controlled by the government. Yeah, and and then I mean, one of the most famous examples of where capitalism comes from is, and I mean, I'm not sure how much of this has to do with the livestock itself, though I'm pretty sure that there's a little bit of lead. But we're talking about the uh, production of of enclosures upon the commons, and the commons were just spaces where everyone's animals could feed, uh, right? So this is all kind of connected. But I mean, the the example that Marx is always talking about, the really famous one is, I mean, how much does a spool of yarn cost? Uh, And then it ends up, you know, increasing because more and more labor value is applied to it as you do things like turn it into coats. Yeah. So, yeah, the the wool on a sheep is uh, not equal to the value of it once it is a coat. Uh, because it goes through like all these different steps. There's mm-hmm. the value of machinery. There's the value of, uh, or the labor value that is imbued in the machinery because people like to build the machines and all this shit. It just ends up, it all builds up. And then suddenly this coat is worth a huge amount of money. And then there's a lot of like cultural and like, there's the, uh, the like Veblen good kind of stuff or like rarity, whatever. Um, this is, this is kind of on a, a different subject, yeah. but the, <laughs> So when it comes to culture and the mind, this all does come back to psychoanalysis. But some, some other stuff for people to know that are really new into this 
is that in, in larger Marxist theory, when we come into spaces like uh, Althusser and Gramsci and, and people of the sort, and Marx writes about this as well, like this is not new uh, or some of this, um, but the world is not necessarily all reduced entirely to labor and the relations of labor, right? It's, that is the base. It's the means and the relations of production. Uh, that is the base. Uh, it's what ends up defining culture in a lot of ways, uh, but <clears throat> culture is also the thing that ends up defining and, and re-regulating the base. So we have cultural as the, uh, culture as the superstructure that includes things like governmentality, education, uh, I mean, all sorts of just human shit, right? Um, yeah, and, and it's, kind, and of it's like, kind of a yeah. kind of like a feedback loop sort of scenario because exactly. labor is required to make this culture, and then culture dictates the labor, and that just pisses and shits back and forth forever. Exactly, it it pisses and shits back and forth forever. I, I have a way yeah. with words. I've been told. <laughs> there's there's this, there's this comedy film. I don't remember anything else from it. But there's, I, I forget what it is. I have to find a clip from this. But there's, there's like these kids that are trying to screw with someone on like a dating site or, or something like that. And the, the, the person ends up saying like, tell me something really hot. And then they send them this story back about like, I want my butt against your butt. And then I want to poop back and forth forever. <laughs> and they're like, that is so, so hot. And it turns into this whole thing. So yeah, the butt's pooping back and forth forever uh, yeah. is actually a more accurate description. That sounds than like a centipede the, kind of thing that we usually think about when it comes to a. That sounds like economy. a South Park thing. It uh, does. It does sound like a South Park yeah. thing. Yeah. But anyway, this was a live action movie. I got to find oh, okay. what it is. Um, totally sounds like a South Park thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so base and superstructure. Yes. These it is a feedback loop. They do inform one another. And, and this is also what is occurring inside of like the psychoanalytic framework, right? Both in the sense that you can metaphorize this where you have the id informs the ego, the ego defines, you know, the externality, and then someone else's externality informs yours, which informs your id and it all loops back and forth. But also is the, the issue of I'm sorry to say it, and I'm sure no one has heard this before, but we live in a society. Oh, fuck. We live in a society. Get the and clown so paint. Psych <laughs> and so psychoanalysis <laughs> really ends up falling short because psychoanalysis is ironically inherently liberalized, even though it's totalitarian and focused on a larger kind of community that will define value. It ignores the fact that the larger community is defining value. It ignores that entirely because that would make psychoanalysis somewhat subjective and ends up saying, well, each individual okay, fixing yeah. their shit is how this needs to work. That's right. what I, mean I was going to say. And, and what you mean? Yeah. What you mean by liberalize is that it's individualistic. Right. Right. Individualistic, but also totalitarian. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's very neoliberal in a funny way. Yeah. It's like this. Like, no, that's, that's -conscious. like almost the exact definition of neoliberalism. Right. What, what, right. what were you saying, John? Go ahead. Just, just one of those uh, incrementalist, slightly more humane steps. Right, 
Yeah. yeah, no, it totally is. I mean, it's it's either lobotomies or it's uh, well. I mean, both are happening at the same time, actually. But. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to say there's a little bit. Well, I guess uh, that makes it an either or. are people talking about bringing back lobotomies? I want one. Yeah, I mean, Dude. I would love to have one. Same. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, what's really funny is that it's it's mostly of all the people that I talk to uh, that bring up wanting to have a lobotomy. It's mostly women that tell me they want one. And maybe it's because I'm unbearable to talk to. Yeah, that's so absolutely. Women want yeah. lobotomies when they're talking to me. Uh, but, Do you think yeah, it's me or it's... them? Me or them? <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't possibly be me. It's all women or the I'm same. I'm the only consistent feature in this, <laughs> but but I think it might be them. <laughs> but no, I, I think there might be something to that. I think there might be something here. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, anyway. So the this... Yeah, the, the real problem of psychoanalysis here in this Marxian lens is that you are necessarily projecting use value onto each individual. And then labor value actually ends up kind of dissolving in this, right? Uh, which is, well, not dissolving into it. It ends up being obscured and then extracted. Um, you have to become useful. You have to be able to like help us all out. Right. And we're going to do this to perhaps your detriment because the, the other option is something like schizoanalysis, which is this kind of uh, ecstasy is the wrong word they use, but I'm kind of like a battalion, so I, I almost need to use that word. But it's this it's this uh, need for desire to work itself out, right? That that the uh, the id will make sense of itself by continuing on its own path. And of course, I'm not I'm not like I'm not like other Deleuzians, <laughs> but I. You know, I, I, I'm not absolutely anti-psychiatry. I, I think that it's problematic to be that way. Um, and, you know, like if you have really severe schizophrenia or something, that's not like a socially induced illness. There are genetic uh, uh, components of this. There's all sorts of shit. And even if you are like, if, even if it is stress induced or socially induced, that doesn't really matter either once you end up suffering the symptoms. So, of course certain certain mental conditions do require genuine treatment uh and maybe if we did live in a different kind of social situation that wouldn't so much be the case like if we were living in some you know far away both in the past and geographically space where we saw schizophrenics as like uh soothsayers or something would be different but even that i think is somewhat apocryphal from what i've read Right. No, yeah, and, and that I don't, you know, I, I, I don't think that's useful either. You know, <laughs> like, um, but there is something valuable about um, desire for desire's sake, and and living in a way that isn't obsessed with the production of of uh, surplus value, right? Without a doubt, um, yeah. Creativity and creativity in any like totally logical robot Jordan Peterson follower kind of way um, or maybe not Jordan Peterson because all of his followers are actually like hysterics anyway but yeah I was like gonna ben say Shapiro yeah, <laughs> logic when it, Ben Shapiro logic in a way which is also not the case but I'm not going to fix this again um, it's there is no reason for poetry Right. There's no reason for I mean, the, the thing that puts that preoccupies Freud with all this shit is that he's so he's so confused uh, and, and curious about like, hold on. 
if the purpose of a human body is to make more human bodies, then why don't I just put penis in vagina and then <laughs> deposit fluid? Like, why is that not? Why, why am sex I doing other is? things? <laughs> yeah, why? Why do people have fetishes? Why do we fuck for longer than ten seconds? Oh, like, like, why are there homosexuals? Why do all these things exist? Because human reality isn't about like the most basic efficiency. It's about these wider. I, I mean, the human consciousness, at least. It's about these desires that are constantly working themselves out based upon these wider. Uh, fabrics and 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 machineries that end up informing one another. Uh, human sexuality is extremely fluid and complex because human society is extremely fluid and complex. Yeah, and and you know, Freud I would say is probably like the the progenitor of the the incel like sort of mindset in this way, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because you know, like he's confused why why we do other things than you know fuck to make well, babies and yeah, but, when when incels are talking they're like oh the only reason i have oh, a job okay. is because i need to you know have enough money to get the girl so that i can fuck and i mean let's let's be clear yeah. freud is not one of these evo psych losers either he's like kind of on the opposite end as as stuffy and like stupid that's not stupid but as stuffy and like bizarre and phallocentric and shitty as Freud can be in so many ways, he is still ultimately looking at things and saying like, no, the very, the very like strict, we, I make money so I can sex uh, kind of thing is still like <laughs> a reduction and not quite right. I mean, he does reduce everything to sexual and like libidinous energies, sure. but I would ultimately agree with him, right? Is that, you know, biological organisms function to be biological organisms, but that things are really complex because everything's in relation to everything else. So, I mean, it becomes way crazier than that and actually way cooler than all that too, because then you get to do things like the tantric sex that Sting has. <laughs> <laughs> That was a weird deep cut joke. Yeah, like the 90s, <laughs> that was that was out there, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and 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 so there's a little bit more that I kind of want to want to touch on with this. Of course, really, like that's the basic floor of all this stuff, right? Mm. But the the problem kind of returns when we are talking about something. Um, like psychoanalysis, not just in the sense that it's got bad subconscious motivations, you could call them, right? It's not just because it's totalitarian. It's not just because it's like maybe immoral or amoral or capitalistic or anything like that. Like that's not why there are problems with it necessarily. It also doesn't quite make sense. And I'm not blowing anyone's mind by saying that psychoanalysis doesn't always makes sense right like i, I, I should hope i don't not. think that yeah i don't think any one of us wants to kill our dads and fuck our moms um i don't think that's <laughs> at least no one in this chat Some actually can yeah uh, uh yeah. show of hands who wants to kill their dad and fuck their mom certainly not both right like maybe one. Uh, <laughs> no, it has so, to, it has to be both. It's got to be both. And if you're and if you're feeling one, then oh. you're feeling the other. Uh, That's true. It's a necessity. Uh, 
Yeah, you can only feel aggression towards authorities if you want to like, yeah. you know, take from them. Um, well, that's that's actually why again, I hate Joe Biden so much is because I want to. Wanna, fuck, I, wait, I can't. I can't name? say that I want to do bad things to Joe Biden. Oh, that's true. That's illegal. Because he's the president now. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Just say something that's not like a, a threat per se. You want to <laughs> give like an aggressive <laughs> massage. I, um, I, I want to cuck Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he'd like it, so that doesn't count. Fair um, enough. Yeah. yeah he, you know he's probably into it. Uh, I know Hunter Biden also, would be into it. I, that's I, true. I, I wish that I could be in a position to personally mock Joe Biden's uh, lack of the ability to get an erection. Ooh. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. He's on a lot of meds, dude. He might have one just like pumping he's, he's, all the he's time. Like, he's like 80. Yeah, nah, he's he's got that like how, he's got that like he's got that secret government uh, Viagra. Yeah. yeah. That guy boofs like 20 grams of Kratom every time he like talks to his wife. He's just got like <laughs> green powder flowing out of his ass, uh, like clouds of it. Um, now listen sorry. here. Uh, listen here, you <laughs> horse-faced motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's him talking to his lover. I mean, that's have good. you seen that's the way good. he talks to other people? Yeah. That's fair. Like just, just sniffing your hair as yeah. he says that. Yeah. Um, but let's uh let's anyway, move on. So, <laughs> representation is a problem. Representation is a problem. Sure. And the and but what I what I mean by representation isn't like an id poll representation in this sense, right? No, you I mean, mean symbolic representation, right? Pretty much. Uh, and by symbolic representation, I really mean like phenomenological representation. I mean any kind of depiction of anything. Yeah. Um. Right. And the there are a lot of reasons that representation is tricky right the not the least of which is that phenomena noumena issue where you phenomena noumena uh is it's it's not just sorry it's not just the issue that like we don't actually have any access to the noumenal world that that's not necessarily it um but it's also maybe maybe the the simplest way of putting it uh avoiding just the well everything is actually very complicated if you live in a society is this uh problem where representation has inbuilt lag and i think that's something people kind of forget about even though they metaphorize it all the time um so people i guess the metaphor of it would be a game of telephone right yeah where you depict something and you depict it wrong and then even if you depict it perfectly well the person listening to you gets a little bit wrong and those things kind of carry on but this applies to everything it even applies to the physical world i mean the only reason that genetic evolution functions is because representation even on the genetic level has lag to it it mm -hmm. misrepresents itself with yeah. with iteration and so the same thing occurs with any kind of communication and so when you're dealing with something like a cultural norm or even dealing with your own psyche, trying to produce something out of experience or out of the unconscious or out of, you know, something that someone told you to do, shit gets complicated. Things are represented wrong. And so when you're dealing with the, the psychoanalyst uh, analyzan situation, you have someone who is essentially the totalitarian mind of society who is listening to your dreams or something like it 
and you misrepresent your dreams to someone who mishears your dreams, who then misrepresents them back to you, and then you misrepresent that representation while trying to internalize it and make sense of it. And so it will always be wrong. I mean, look look at any one of Freud's um, or even Lacan, but primarily Freud's, he, his is the most heinous. Um, his, uh, his, what would you call them? Uh, his like reports, right? You like Dora is one of the most terrifying ones where like she was terribly abused. And then his reading of it in the end was, well, you're actually, you're uh, scared and sad and want to die and can't speak at times because you thought you wanted to be abused. Right. And it's like, that's <laughs> probably, that's it, probably yeah, not. Yeah, that's yeah. probably wrong. <clears throat> yeah. And then like with the wolf man, that uh, crazy jump that he makes where it's like, Okay, the wolves in the tree. Yeah, that that's your dad. That's your dad fucking your mom, and also it's Doggy your music style. teacher, and that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the Evo psych thing would have been more satisfying. Where it's just like you're afraid of wolves because <laughs> so, wolves might eat you, right? Well, and they're in a they're they're up there, so that's a position <laughs> you don't want to. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. That's that's all good. Um, I I think you know when when I was thinking about this subject and and stuff, uh, one of the things that I was and and I don't know if there's there's a more uh, professional theory uh, term for this, but you know the the purity of of like what something is, you know, and so you you have um, you know the idea of a wolf, and to Freud the wolf always means one thing, and and it can't mean something different to a different person, you know, because he's saying, oh, you think about wolves. Well, okay, everything that's dog or wolf related must be something that's causing these wolf, you know, apparitions yeah. to appear in your vision. Where no, that's great. That's really important. Where you know, words mean completely different things to people. Sometimes, you know, you you might have, um. I forget what video I was watching the other day, but there was an interesting discussion on like what the word love means to different people mm. and love can be used in like, oh man, I really love that movie or I really, you know, love my, my partner or I really uh, love the way that you, you know, give me sloppy toppy or whatever. Um, and these are obviously, you know, the same word is being used in such different and, and it's even in the dictionary that each word has multiple definitions of it. And so, and, and even for one person, something like love can have very, of course, exactly and then yeah that's exactly the kind of point i'm making is is all these contextual differences of of what one single word can mean and and we're talking like i just went through three different definitions of love over the course of you know 10 seconds the experience of things you might feel as love or, or you know the idea of wolves could be completely different over the span of you know seconds for for an right. individual let alone you know somebody who's got some kind of deep traumatic thing happening with them of course of course yeah and i mean i was i was actually thinking about specifically that that love example recently because i uh i don't like saying that to like a lover or partner or anything like that unless i'm very certain that i mean it and then i'll say it all the fucking time um but i was thinking about that but i say to my friends uh that all the fucking time of course i say like i love pizza or whatever like 
I tell, I tell people, I love you, you know, and it means something entirely different from if I said to someone else in a different position, yeah. I love you. And even funnier is that like, I'll type like I L U uh, to like someone that I'm dating or something as, as like a, an additional comment or something and <laughs> right. consider it to be something different than I love you. Well, yeah, right? because it's not, so, it's not spelling it out fully. So it's, it's got it's less erotical yeah. in some way. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, all these things can mean different things within an individual. That's, that's a great point. And I mean, that's the, uh, when, when we're talking about Deleuze and Guattari, we spoke about this a little bit during the fascism episode, but when it comes to representation, we're, we're talking about something like the it's the white wall and the black hole, which is um, without getting really deep into it, essentially the idea is it's like a Caesarian linguistics thing where we're similar to it, which is that the way that things have their meanings is that they are more or less within like a certain uh, semiotic or symbolic proximity to other things, right? Yeah. The reason that we have fascism is because not just because someone is black while we're white, it's that black and white have like a different relationship to one another and that there is a gradient and that there are forms of difference between these things. And that's how we make sense of them. And thereby we're able to make the distinction, not because there are two free floating concepts, which are themselves meaningful. And the, the only way that I myself can claim that I am white, I'm Aryan, obviously I am with my big brown red beard and my fucking whatever shitty eyes. Uh, but, but the only reason that I can be this cool Aryan white guy is only, it's because there are, you know, Jews and, oh, and Roma and, and, uh, homosexuals and stuff around. That's the only reason that I can be this. Right. Uh, and so it's all based on this comparison and relation. Um, if everyone in the world were black, it wouldn't be a thing. It just, just, oh, you have, you know, you're just everyone else. Uh, so it's it's all based on this this uh, kind of interrelation, um, which is something that psychoanalysis almost chooses to forget. Right? Is is that things are built upon gradients and interrelations? Even though that's that's like it's really funny because that's what the id really is. If you read enough psychoanalysis, is that right. the id really is this interrelationship and like proximity values and stuff like that. And so psychoanalysis knows why it's wrong, but refuses to admit it. Psychoanalysis <laughs> itself is in denial. Psychoanalysis um, is me when I'm in an argument and I'm drunk. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I need, oh, fuck, I, need I know to I'm wrong. But... Psychoanalysis. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I mean I I said I would talk about Schreber, and I guess we can. I mean that's more funny than anything else. But but otherwise, like I just have one final point, and that one final point is essentially just that the. I mean it's kind of a two part point, I guess. But psychoanalysis functions the same way that something like myth does, yeah, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, no. in, in, in that. The, the question always remains, does the analyst and does the analyzand, do they believe this or not? And the answer is invariably, yeah, but not really, right? It's like when, when you're dealing with someone, and I am not, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these Richard Dawkins atheist types. I'm really not. <laughs> But when you're dealing with most people who have like religious belief, 
you always have to ask yourself, well, if they really believe that we're all going to, going to hell, um, if we don't do this specific set of things, and they really do love me, why are they not like locking me in their basement and forcing me to act in a very specific way if they genuinely believe this stuff? And it's because they do and do not believe it, right? It's in a superposition, like, like really any kind of belief is it is and is not there by necessity of being believed. Um, and that and, you know, they get shot by the cops. Uh, <laughs> but, um, which is why you do see it sometimes, right? It is, is that some people genuinely do it, either entirely or, or compensatorily believe this kind of thing and will do that kind of thing. Um, but all these different belief systems are predicated on their, their, their possibility for non-belief. Um, again, the black hole, white wall thing mm-hmm. comes up. Yeah. Um, but the, the part two of that is that in trying to capture things and define them in certain forms of belief, rather than allowing desire and the functions of the, you know, the, the psyche as a whole to function as themselves, we, we end up turning dreams literally or metaphorically into something like private property, right? It's something that can serve a certain purpose and it's something you can pay to uh, uh, to refine, more or less. Like, and this this applies, of course, to like every time I dream about wolves fucking my dad, or or <laughs> or, or, or or my dream of wanting to be like a poet or something. Right. right. Yeah. The, these all have the same kind of application, where like this is nonsense, and we're all going to make sense of it for you. And the only way we can make sense of it is by fitting it into a capitalistic system, and thereby p- making private property or privating you of your own dreams. Uh, rather than allowing them to be the abstract essence of desire, which they actually are. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the conclusion of that. And we can talk about Schraber and laugh for a little while if we want. But No, no, I, I think on, on that last point you made, you know, I, I brought up like all the different connotations of, of like the word love and in like a contextual sense. Um, when we, you know, you, you you brought up poetry and poetry obviously uses a lot of like metaphor and an uh, analogy and you know visual variants of terms and, right yeah. multivariance of terms and whatever and so you know w- one of the things i would say is like you know the 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 phrase thrown to the wolves or thrown to the dogs right yeah. does, does that always mean that you're actually literally thrown to dogs no and so you know the <laughs> you know the psychoanalytic form of like oh uh, you know, you're you're scared of wolves or, or dogs, so it must be like a literal <laughs> literal wolf or dog in your life of some form that that you're talking about. You know, it's it's right. And and this is a point we obviously already made, but you know, it's something else that I just kind of like thought as as like an extra sort of uh, I guess way of describing this. You know, yeah. throwing somebody to the wolves means that like. You you could or or pushing somebody under a bus is a similar right. term, right? Like, doesn't mean that there's an actual bus. It could just mean that there's some kind of consequence, and you push them under it, and that's you know the yeah. the uh, the uh, the idiom that we use. Um, and, yeah, and actually to to kind of build off of this because I, I wanted to say this earlier, but we you know conversation happens, um, and I get lost because I'm an idiot, right? But um, 
the like the reason that a Rorschach test exists <laughs> is because you can look at one symbol and view it as a billion things, right? Uh, and and it's funny that again, like larger psychological institutions, especially like around the ages of psychoanalysis, believe that these things could function in some kind of meaningful way while still kind of abnegating or forgetting why they would necessarily apply. Um, it's the only reason that like, I love Lacan, despite being like more or less a Deleuzian uh, or like Bataillon and both of them have problems with him. But I really love him because the, the center of everything that he says is that I am also full of shit while I'm saying this. <laughs> Right. He, right, he yeah. understands his own wrongness uh, in so many ways. And honestly, he's just ex it, like hysterically funny because of that. But um, yeah. 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 A, a personal anecdote on, on like the Rorschach test stuff. Um, I, I think the like Rorschach Association. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, no. Actually, uh, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Nice. Um, I remember when, when I was young. And I had very, you know, very strong issues with depression and, and suicidal ideation. Um, my parents sent me to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist did the, you know, word association sort of like test with me sort of stuff. That's so funny. And, we should uh, do that in, in this as a part of a podcast sometime. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I went through all the word association stuff and the whole time I was thinking like, only a fucking moron wouldn't be able to like say, "Oh, the word I associate this with is happiness," or like, right. like you could you could totally just make up your answers if you were like yeah. somebody with a pulse. Really, is all you had to be and go like, "Oh, yeah. the, they want me to think that this word." Like, what do you think of when you when you hear the word family? Bad, sad. Uh, so, I'm, so I'm unhappy. Here's the, here's the thing about that. And, and I have thought a lot about this, uh, you know, both like entering into therapy myself and, and just like in a, in a general kind of scheme. But part of the test of that, I think, is that a certain kind of psychological state will also make you uh, not care about lying. Right. Yeah. Like no, if you sure. still care about lying enough to say like, the, that picture that I see of someone like with their, I don't know, open stomach being pissed into is actually a <laughs> butterfly. Um, then, then something you're a little bit better off than the guy that's just looking at it and saying like, Oh yeah, that's an ax wound being pissed into. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, is, is, but, the, yeah, is but the glass I, half full with, or well, half empty? <laughs> the glass and, is full of, of course, piss. <laughs> it's always full of piss. Um, but, uh, I mean, and that, that's another one of these layers to it, which is, you know, part of all of this stuff is just that willingness to be honest with yourself and, and with your, your analyst or whatever. But, um, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. The, uh, the reason I was depressed is because my, um, my family was incredibly abusive. Uh, <laughs> so, well, that's so, what you say. Yeah, that's what I say. It's probably I guess. because it's um, probably yeah. because I, I don't know. I, I saw my mom getting fucked by my, my stepdad, uh, yeah, and you, you reverse, was... reverse cowgirl style. And Ooh. that's why I don't that's like why you have dreams of cows and trees. <laughs> that's why uh, I don't like popular country music, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Every time CMT comes on, I think about CBT. You know, it's just this whole thing. Uh, you know, they really um, ought to like. 
there, there needs to be like a uh a universal like uh acronym system yeah like this this is actually yeah. one of the yeah. few forms of uh governance i really believe in is that Cause, somebody cause needs to be I sign up for uh for cbt yeah. and i end up getting my balls stepped on instead of uh instead of like <laughs> someone telling me how to deal with my trauma better i mean well, they so both work for me i'm but... actually the opposite i'm i'm looking yeah. for the stepping on thing and i keep getting told like hey it's okay that you feel this way but you can't act on it anymore <laughs> <laughs> um and I'm just like, lady, step on my fucking balls already. <laughs> I am uh, I am no longer welcome at the uh, Lutheran church off of First Street. <laughs> well, that's your problem. You should ask a uh, Methodist to do it. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll probably. Um, I mean, the Lutherans are more willing to, like, step well, but the Methodists will just do it to <laughs> make you happy. Um, hey, deep cut religion but, jokes uh, here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so so I, I do I do want to mention the Schraber thing really quick, which is that you know yeah, let's like, go into like that. we said before, you know this man thought that his like organs were disappearing and reappearing in his body, and uh, he had this whole like crazy solar anus kind of stuff going on, and just this fascinating uh, kind of character. But with <laughs> so Freud thinks or, or no, sorry. There are all sorts of different theories given up by all sorts of people in psychoanalytic communities and elsewhere about what could be wrong with this person. But if you look into his his history, his father literally built like BDSM machines for kids to like make them drink soup better. Like they'd be like head straps and shit to like make your etiquette better. Uh, and so in the end, yeah. Of course he lost his fucking mind. <laughs> right. His dad was playing like posh BDSM with him all his life. Um, and but 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 that's actually kind of where this this DNG concept of machines comes from to some degree, because there's this the interplay be between Schraber and his father. Um a psychoanalyst wants to think that. Schraber's father, if they are giving credit, in fact, to the machines in this whole interaction, that he's applying these machines to his son, and that the issue then is the father and the son, um, and in a way that is, in fact, true, but that there's this wider spectrum of things occurring where there are actually abstract machines playing upon the father, playing upon the son, playing upon their machines, and that the machine that's part of the interplay is also important, right? And so that there's this wider social field of uh, various investments that ends up producing this relationship and the production of these, uh, uh, Deleuze refers to it as like a sadist uh, sadistico-paranoiac machines, right? which produce, again, sadistic paranoia uh, in like a variety of different ways. So in, in short, the father does not coordinate machines necessarily, but is coordinated by machines and thereby coordinates them. Yeah, because right? the reason um, that the father is making his kids learn how to drink soup right is because there's a social construct exactly telling him that this is the right way. And, and that's why, like, yeah. I... I, I, I 
torture my kids (laughs) i I have always hated the the idea that there's like (laughs) social or like structural like formal ways to to like eat fucking food like yeah, the that, torches that sh- of in and out groups. Yeah, it's, that that shit I like forty seven spoons. <laughs> right, Sorry. that shit annoys me so fucking much. And uh, I, you know, I I grew up in in like a there. My family, there's a poor side of the family, and then there's like a rich side of the family. And anytime. Yeah, well, like it was very disparate. Uh, right. Like there was a wide chasm between these two groups. Yeah. And anytime I I ate with like the the rich side of the family, um, I remember like being confused why we had so many spoons and forks. <laughs> like you finish with one thing, and if you don't think it'll mix with the other one, lick the fucking fork off. You're fine. Um, <laughs> And right. and then and then I remember like all of them would like comment on like oh wow he really just uh, goes at it doesn't he like while I'm fucking eating and then you know they would like almost fetishize me in some way where they're like so right. Michael what do you what do you do for a living and it's like at the time I was in the Marine Corps I don't talk to my fucking family anymore I fucking <laughs> fuck them um, but you know I, at the time I was in the Marine Corps I was like Michael what do you do for a living and it's like well I uh, repeat circuit cards and stuff i'm like wow that's very uh intelligent work and it's like fuck you right <laughs> yeah you're so well spoken yeah and and you know <laughs> the the proper way for my parents to raise me would be to put me in a bdsm machine so that i could yes. learn how to eat with my rich family better and maybe be <laughs> be incorporated more into the the wealthy side of the family right right so what so i'm yeah, saying that's... is judge Schraber's dad was right of course. So, so yeah, that, I, I guess that's really the conclusion of all of this is that <laughs> there are these uh, these relationships and these traumas are actually caused by a wider network of coordinations and like a yeah. libidinal field and traumas and things like that. And it can't necessarily all be predicated upon like, well, you know, you saw some ants fucking when you were four or something. Ants by that I mean family members. I decided <laughs> <laughs> incestuous lesbian ants. Oh hell yeah, we've all we seen all them. them. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my uh, that worked out okay. Yeah, I, I forgot we were doing this until like literally a couple hours ago. So I'm glad that worked out. Yeah, well, I'd uh, I'd only reminded you, you know, several times. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to leave it as a joke. I was going to leave it as a joke. I have a wider field of libidinous impulses guiding my life. And I don't, you know, I, I can't be defined by daddy telling me I have a, <laughs> a presentation to give. Um, well, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty neat and tidy uh, uh, psychoanalytic uh, overview, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember, guys, the superstructure is based and the base is also based. It's so like everything. Everything's know. got a base. Everything's actually. based. Everything's <laughs> <all> based. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. Bye. No, sorry. Yeah. No, I. I, I think. Uh, un- unless we want to yeah. like tack on some some. All right. Here's what we'll do. It's almost two hours, right? No, oh, no. we're at like we an hour. Hour and uh, nine minutes is what we're at right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So next episode will be more of a regular, uh, just kind of general news sort of thing. Um, in the last two we'll weeks, a, be a lot of stuff a has little, happened. 
like a different a different day than usual right yeah we'll we'll have to figure out like which day we're gonna record on but um a lot of stuff has happened in the world over the last uh uh two weeks yeah um assassinations of presidents uh whatever he he was a cia op anyway (laughs) no no yeah i I don't think it's bad that he's dead necessarily (laughs) it's just like ooh, that's uh that's a crazy thing the ocean lit itself on fire and by the ocean i mean we lit it on fire yeah um uh what else uh, Joe Biden is still a, a nasty, rude boy. Um, still farts of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's also the stuff that he's doing with like COVID nineteen funding and the police yeah, right. and yeah, uh, the not teachers. teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is super cool. And then there's, um, I mean, something we haven't been covering really uh, because it's also like because everyone else is covering it, but also it's just asinine is all this shit that is continuing with the 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 trump stuff and like trying to redefine the election which is hilarious yeah no uh and and that's that's something we should get into i think um yeah i miss talking about our our orange boy even though we never did it that much yeah no i i you know i I think we're talking about exactly and that's that's what we always agreed upon i think and right um, everyone else is already obsessing about him Everyone so else like is already obsessing about him. Maybe matter more, right? And and yeah. really, like their obsession is is creating something way more evil yeah. than, than ever yeah. actually exists. Exactly. Like the the Trump sure. administration is is ideologically very similar with the Obama and the Biden administrations. Uh, <laughs> he's except he's actually the opposite of the ghosts in Mario, where if you look at him, he comes after you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Look away. <laughs> well, that, well, that was always the thing, right? Is It's like he, he was boisterous and he said the, the quiet part's loud. And, and this is what I always say to people is Trump always said the quiet part's loud and the loud part's incoherently. And right, right. <laughs> Which is why I still like... I got into a lot of arguments about this back in November, but people were asking me, who is the accelerationist candidate? And I, I did get into some very interesting conversations. Like, sure. I'm not going to shit on anyone. For no, this, no, of course. I, th- I think that the discussions actually were good about this. But but I, I would always say Trump, like genuinely, just because of the fact that he's like he's a mouthpiece for accelerationism, kind of like he, he encourages these points because he says the quiet parts out loud and because he, you know, everything else is incoherent. And the quiet parts are the only parts you end up hearing then. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, so so that's great. Whereas Biden is, I mean, he's about the status quo. Like that's the it, whole Well, he's, he's practiced in it, right? Like he yeah. he knows what he can or should. And, and that's actually slipping because he's, I think he's losing his fucking mind at this point. Right. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he knows so, what to say out loud and what to say quietly. Yeah. And he doesn't use Twitter a lot. And what's right. what's funny is you know like you Which think is of to say he's the conservative candidate. Yeah, yeah no, Sorry, actually, yeah, yeah. Re- realistically and legitimately, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know it, how you define it. Yeah, it's it's funny how much the national news media was relying on Twitter to generate like headlines and. <laughs> uh you know news clips etc when you know like yeah twitter has a lot of users but how many people are in america that actually use twitter it's it's actually a very small percentage of americans that are really using and engaging with twitter 
yeah, it's a huge platform and it makes a lot of money, but it's a huge platform and like kind of a niche of yeah. sorts. The internet's not that serious. Guys. Yeah, the internet's not that serious. It's not as big as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, most of the people on the internet aren't real in like a sense of also like. True. They're Russian bots. No, 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 no. I mean, they're not real. And like, like these are people who are spending their time on the internet. It's not your average like consensus of American politics. That's why honestly the only honest person on the internet. Well, me too. Yeah, because I say hysterical things because I'm a hysteric. You know. Um. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're totally right though. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, but it was amazing to me how how much the uh, the news was relying on, and Donald Trump tweeted out, and everybody went fucking crazy on Twitter because of it. Yeah, everyone shit and fart and came. Yeah, and, and it's and like the, the orange boy. Did the only yeah. reason that people aren't freaking out on Twitter about Joe Biden is because he doesn't tweet ever. That's it. That's, he doesn't really tweet. <laughs> He doesn't yeah. tweet his his personal opinion really. He's got. I mean, I think that's that's a over specific thing, but I, I think it is ultimately that. No, no, no. It, it's part of like a greater less, thing, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Of course, it, yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah yeah yeah. But you know, it, it's like that the things that he's like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll get into it more next week. I've got a I've got a no, thing that I've kind of been like working on and and thinking about all this oh, sort yeah. of stuff. Um, no, I mean, to be clear, we're on the same page and we agree on that. It's yes. just, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, I, I don't, yeah, I didn't think we were adversarial in this yeah. point at all. Well, um, I'm going to beat you up. Okay. Well, you got to come over here I, first. Man, I don't want to. <laughs> Damn. All right. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Next week. We uh, and stuff? No, uh, I don't think we do. Um, I do, but uh, but I always do. But I've, what's I've up? had a, I've had a crazy couple of weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, I've given up on the. Uh, maybe I'll return to it someday. Uh, but the the thing I was working the on thing and everything. What's that? The Orwell. Yeah, stuff I, I've or, sort yeah. of given up on it. I mean, I the the reason why I've given up on it is because there's so much that I'm trying to dig into, and I don't think I can yeah. make it concise. Um, I understand, <laughs> but, but I am, uh, I, I've, I've started writing scripts for, for other, uh, standalone videos, nice. um, more, more adjacent to things that I'm maybe more familiar with. Uh, I guess, I don't know. Um, I actually, we can always do one of those like literature deep dives in one of these too, you know, like it's sure. Yeah. Um, it'll be fine. So, so yeah, my, my news is, uh, Lice, lice cray cray and uh i got burned out on the orwell thing because um the subject of like who is watching us is uh very deep <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it's a lot of people and uh it sucks uh but yeah no i i think i would like to make uh more more simplified videos on like electoralism yeah. and stuff like that uh th- things that i'm is good yeah. yeah things that i'm like really really in tune with um orwell right. and 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 social media is like there's there's too much going on there i think for <laughs> exactly. it, it, it like, would be like a several part like couple hour thing uh yeah and every time that we've talked about like Deleuze or lacan or freud or marx in any one of these like 
it always takes so long. Like you can't just sit down and be like, I'm going to explain Marx in an hour. You just, it's not going to happen. You know, I I was actually, I was was having a uh, conversation with, uh, uh, cam, um, uh, my boy yeah goth muslim jesus bottom text without organs yeah bottom text without organs music. goth muslim Go jesus yeah he made he made our intro music we were talking the other day and mm-hmm. uh you know we were we were talking about how like memes can't really capture like a true politics of of like anything and uh yeah. at one point i said yeah you know actually i think memes can and uh Oops. mark's just uh, wrote all those extra pages because he was trying to fill a word count. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was being he was being paid by the Atlantic. Right. Yeah, he was just trying to, to like, hit a word count it. quota, and that's why that that's why Das Capital is <laughs> what like so many volumes. Yeah, yeah, it's like so many volumes of several hundred uh, page books. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. I haven't. I uh, I have not read all of it. No, nobody Sorry. has. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no I, I've has. only, <laughs> I've only, uh, and being being completely honest here, I've only ever read summaries of of these things, read summaries and God watched bless. summaries of these uh, works because yeah. I who has time for that? Touch grass. That went to school for it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. Yeah. So so my pitch is uh my my videos are dying. Uh, but we'll be reborn anew. What's your pitch? Yes. Uh, Denko. Next week, the reason that our uh, podcast is going to come out on a different day, or maybe be recorded earlier, come out uh, the same day, and no one will know, uh, is because I'm going back. It's going to be my third uh, appearance on uh, Bringing Down the Grindhouse, uh, which is a great horror-themed podcast. Um, I've gone on to talk about, uh, we talked about Lacanian psychoanalysis in uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was the first one. The second one, I spoke about theory fiction and Nick Land. And this time, I'm coming over there to talk about feminism, capitalism, and witchcraft. Uh, so that'll be fun as shit. Uh, I'm going to be recording that. It'll probably take a couple weeks because they actually edit it like cowards. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so it'll be a couple weeks before it really comes out, but, uh, maybe we'll try to like line something up because we, we, we lined up the last one where we did like an accelerationism deep dive that people really liked when they did the Nick land one. So they came yeah. out at the same time. So maybe we'll do something similar, but that's what I'm doing next week. You guys should go follow them. It's been, uh, I forget exactly what the handle is, but just look, look B- up bringing down the grindhouse. Yeah. B D G bringing B-D-T-G-H down T G H. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they're great. I know, I know everyone on the podcast. They're all really cool people, uh, except for one of them. And I'll let you decide who it's you. Uh, that's, that's a joke. Yeah. It is actually me. No, I'm not like, officially you, you know, on. you should, um, uh, you should make the case that, uh, they should have me on sometime because they, they, haven't they talked to you about that? I they, think they they've want you talked to me. Yeah. They've talked to me about it, but they've never actually said anything. Up. Honestly, we should both go on and just take over because I already feel like I'm like doming everyone on the podcast when I go on. So you and I would, <laughs> would do it, baby. Anyway, the horror. Uh, yeah, so I'm going on there. It'll it'll rule. Check them out if you like horror media of any sort. They're really great. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's more or less it uh also go to the um go to my workshops patreon we're still doing that it's uh uh 
patreon.com slash truncata, T-R-U-N-C-A-T-A. We're continuing uh, with, we just did a bunch of stuff on translation. We're going over some like performance art and paintings right now. It's been fun. We've also kind of changed things up a little bit. So we're doing uh, more themes than we did before. So things are a little bit more flexible and kind of change a lot more so keep them more interesting. Um, and um, I had to take a little bit of a break from recording lectures because I started this new job and my life has been insane, just like, you know, everyone else here, it seems like. But um, those are coming back uh, this week. So awesome. God bless. Uh, what's up, John? Gee bless. John, you got anything to pitch? Uh, no, not, not, not at the moment. I got, I got oh, yeah. something you can pitch. Ooh, is it detent in your pants? You, you should uh, you should show your your shirt. I saw it earlier. It's very impressive. It? It's very what now? It's very impressive. Uh, oh yeah, um, Jurassic Park. Bury the rock. Yeah, yeah, right. and then and then turn around. Jurassic. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic cock. Very nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, I really thought it was going to say spare the child. Bury the rod, spare the child. Jesus. <laughs> That's not the well, right. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> child abuse kitschy. Mm. Um, All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, perfect. thank you for your, your time this evening. Listener, thank you also for your time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our, our return to uh, recording. Um, as always, please take your medicine. Please take mine too. And make sure to share with your friends.